Welcome to Brave Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us today. We're in a series on Sundays going through the Gospel of Mark. We believe the kind of church Jesus came to start is more than a crowd. It's friends on a mission living life together. Another great way to connect further is through social media, where there is content designed to inspire and inform you. Here's this week's talk. Man, it's great to see some new faces. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Awesome. Well, we're so glad you're here today. Today, we are actually concluding a series that we've been in for a month, and it's called Good News. And we've been hearing some good news every week. We have been filling this room with good news, and so we're going to get to some more good news today. But before we do that, I want to give a recap of some of the different headlines that we've looked at, okay? And if you missed any of these weeks, you can also follow along and go back on the podcast. But the first one, headline number one, is that God cares more about the inside than the outside. And that's good news because that means that you can come to God and you don't have to have everything figured out. You don't have to have everything together that you can come to God and you can come to church and just as you are, God cares more about what's going on in your heart, and he wants to meet you where you're at. And so that's good news. And then headline number two was that the love of God breaks down barriers. And this was a powerful week where we talked about what it means to see beyond our differences and to love one another. And then we ended with a prayer time, and we prayed that God would, would give us a heart for those that are different than us. And so we believe that God has placed us here as a church and a community in this valley to be people that stand in the gap and that bring love to where love is missing. And so we love that. And then headline number three, the third week, we saw a story where Jesus healed a deaf and mute man. And we looked at how the power of God works. And there was a cautionary warning because if we're not careful, we can read about these miracles that Jesus did in people's lives and think that we've got the power of God all figured out. That if you do this this way, God will do this. And if you've been taught that or, or you found yourself in that position, what you've probably seen is, man, God, I'm holding up my end of the deal, but what about you? Why aren't you doing what you're supposed to do? And so what we do, if we're not careful, is we put the power of God in a box, but the power of God is too big for the boxes that we put it in. And so headline number three is that God's ways are higher than ours. And that's good news because that means that God has a higher perspective. He knows things that we don't know and he sees things that we don't see. And so we can trust him. And so today we're going to look at our fourth headline, but we're not going to get to that until after we look at our passage. And I want to reiterate something that we have been remembering at the beginning of every single talk, because you can't have a series on good news without highlighting the greatest news ever told, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the greatest headline. Every other headline falls under this headline. Following Jesus is learning to live under the greatest headline. It's bigger than what happened in your life yesterday or anything that will happen tomorrow. And so for some of you, maybe this is encouragement that you need right now. Maybe there are some things that have happened in your past that you just can't imagine that God could use that, that God could redeem that or work that for good. Or something bad might have happened to someone that you care about, something that just doesn't seem fair. 
The Bible says in this life, we will know trouble and we will know pain. But this headline means that we're never alone and that the outcome will be good, that there is a good ending to the story, no matter how challenging and how difficult it may be. There will be good that we can find in Jesus's name. And so this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel, that Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross, risen from the grave, so we can be forgiven and have new life in him for eternity. It is literal good news. If there's one thing that you walk away with from this entire series, I hope that it's the greatest headline, that there is a greater headline that we are learning to live under as followers of Jesus. And it doesn't get more profound than this. It doesn't get more powerful than this. There is no truth that will be preached on this stage or any other stage that is as powerful as the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is all about Jesus. And if Jesus, if his story isn't true, none of this matters. None of it matters. If, if he didn't walk this earth, die on a cross for our sins, if he wasn't resurrected three days later, Nothing else matters, but he did. And our lives are being changed. Our lives are being made better. Our future, we have hope for the future. We can be filled with joy in the present. And some of you here today, maybe you're still exploring faith. That's one of the things that I love about this community that we're building together is that you don't have to agree with everything I say and you don't have to believe the way we believe, to be welcome here and to explore faith. And so you might be here today and you're not really sure what you believe yet and you're not sure whether or not you trust in Jesus or you think that this is true. And so I just want to speak to you for a moment, if that's where you're at. You know, there's so much evidence that has been documented about the resurrection. There's so much that you can go back and look at and learn about and read about I think that God knew that coming back to life was going to need a lot of coverage, right? They needed to cover that miracle pretty well. They needed to have firsthand witnesses. There was going to need to be people that saw him. And there is so much of that that you can go back. If you haven't, I want to encourage you, check this out. There's a lot that you can find. And we live in an age where it's not hard to find information. It's, It's so easy. It's all around us. It's in our pockets, okay? But the most amazing thing beyond the evidence, beyond all of this stuff to me is that here we are thousands of years later and people are still passionately following Jesus. It's changing our lives. We're connecting with our creator. So we've been reading about all of these stories of people who are experiencing Jesus, but people are still experiencing Jesus today. And so when we get out of the way, when church isn't about all the other things that we can sometimes make it about, and instead it's about helping people find and follow Jesus, the world around us flourishes. The world around us starts to thrive. The San Ramon Valley will never be the same. The Bay Area will never be the same. So as we approach our passage today, we need to ask God that he would help us to see him more clearly, to hear what it is that he wants to say to us. There are so many things that get in the way. 
For some of you, maybe it's fear. Fear that if you let this truth sink in too deeply, it'll start to change some things in your life that you don't want to change. For others, maybe it's a hurt. Maybe there are things that have happened. A lot of people from the Bay Area have moved here and come from different places, different religious environments. And maybe you were in an environment where it wasn't okay to ask questions, or it wasn't okay to have doubts or to wrestle with things as you formed your, your own convictions. Or maybe you felt judged. You know what it's like to feel judged. You know, the church should be the most welcoming and the most gracious and love-filled place on the planet, yet sometimes it's not. And people get hurt, and the heart of God is misrepresented. And what happens when the heart of God is misrepresented is people feel pushed away from God. So I want to pray this morning that we would have a clean slate, that we would have an open heart to hear from God today. So would you bow your heads and join me? Let's pray. God, I pray for every single person in this room that you love and you care about so dearly and that you want to know you for who you are, not for who who others have said you to be. But you want us to know the real Jesus this morning. And so God, I pray that we would be open to that and that your spirit would speak to us through these scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, we're going to be in Mark 8. And if you didn't get notes, our ushers are along the sides. They'd love to get those to you if you want to follow along. We're going to be in Mark 8, looking at verses 1 through 21. And this is a collection of verses that actually makes up three stories that are all connected. So we're going to begin looking at the first one. Reading in verse 1, it says this. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they'll collapse on the way because some of them have come a long way, a long distance. So what's going on here? Um, You've got this large crowd of people. They've gathered to hear Jesus, and some of them have come from far away, and they have nothing to eat. How many of you have ever forgotten your lunch before? Yeah? Or maybe you forgot your wallet at home. Uh, I've been saved so many times by Apple Pay. I mean, I'm just like, wow, how have we not had this? Like, now, if you forget your wallet or whatever, like, I mean, you have to go somewhere that does Apple Pay, but it's amazing. But when you look at this story, think about this. How did a whole group of people run out of food? Like, they didn't see this coming. They didn't think, shoot, we better, <clears throat> we better get going because... We're going to run out of food, and we're not going to have enough for the journey home. But all of them forgot their lunch, okay? All of them are running out of food. And so they're looking at this problem, and Jesus sees this, and he has compassion on them. And he cares about them, and he wants to do something to help them. So let's continue. Verse 4. The disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. So now we know a little bit more. They're in a remote place. There literally was no other option but Jesus. But the disciples, they're, they're problem solving. They're trying to figure this out. And, you know, they just saw, if you're having a little bit of a double take, it was just two chapters back that Jesus did a very similar miracle. He was in a very similar situation, and he fed 5,000 people. But this is actually a different story. So this is a crowd that we learn later, it's about 4,000 people, and the disciples are trying to figure out what to do. 
it's amazing that not one of them thought, well, hey, you did this, so let's do it again, right? Here we are. So they don't even have an idea. They're not sure. They're just looking at the problem. But Jesus has a plan. Verse 6, he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. And when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also, and he told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. And after he had sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples, and he went to the region of Dalmanutha. The ending of this story is kind of abrupt. Mark says, hey, they, they got in the boat and they left. But what we're seeing is that this is just what, what Jesus does. There's a problem. He, he cares about the people. It requires a miracle. Fortunately, he's God. He can do miracles. And so he takes care of the problem, and then he's on his way. He doesn't do a victory lap. He's not high-fiving like, guys, did you see what I just did? No, he's just in the boat. Here we go. Uh, this is just what we do. We're on a mission, and now we need to go do some more stuff. And so he's on his way. And this is where it gets interesting. Okay, verse 11. It says, the Pharisees came and they began to question Jesus, to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. Now, when I first read this, I thought, how confusing. They're asking him for a sign. Were they not there or did they not hear about how he just fed 4,000 people? Right, but they're asking for a sign. So what's going on here? It says he sighed deeply and he said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and he crossed the lake to the other side. So the Pharisees come on the scene, and remember, they're supposed to be the good guys, but they're starting to look more and more like the bad guys, and they're there to test Jesus and to ask him for a sign. There's an important concept for us to understand here, and it's this idea of signs and wonders. In Mark, there's actually a distinction between a sign and a wonder. A wonder is what we would call a miracle. And so in Mark, we see these as two different things. A sign is translated from the Greek word semion and a miracle from the Greek word dynamis. Two different things. In the Old Testament, a sign was not so much a demonstration of power of what someone could do, but it was something that proved their authorization, their source was from God. And so the Pharisees weren't demanding a miracle. They'd actually probably seen a lot of those by now. Instead, they wanted Jesus to give them unmistakable proof that who he is and his mission is authorized by God. Their intention by challenging Jesus was to prove that they were right. See, they had already made up their minds. They had already decided who they thought Jesus was. And so Jesus, his response is a deep sigh. He's frustrated. He's fully God, but he's still fully human. He feels like we feel. He has emotion like, like we do. And he's feeling very misunderstood. And so he sighs. And then he rejects their request. And he says, you'll never get a sign. And he takes off. Turn to the person next to you and say, ain't nobody got time for this. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for this. Jesus, he's like, we're getting out of here. We're in the boat. We'll see you later, OK? Meanwhile, 
back in the boat, we have his disciples, okay? Like, here come the disciples, okay? Verse 14, the disciples have forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf that they had with them in the boat. Like, there was just seven baskets left over, and they've got one loaf. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another, and they said, it's because we have no bread. So the disciples, they forgot to pack their lunch. Like, they don't have any food. Clearly, they didn't have a team mom, right? Like, they just move on. They leave it all on the shore, and they're out of bread, but they know what Jesus can do with bread. And so Jesus hears them talking, and this is what he says. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? 12, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? A few verses back um, in our last talk, Jesus said to them, he said, why are you so dull? He's like, are you so dumb, right? And now he's saying, are you guys blind? Are you deaf? Are your hearts hard? This is savage Jesus. He is really frustrated. The people that he's closest to, closer to than anyone on the planet, spending more time with than anyone, don't understand him. And then the people who are farthest from him, his enemies, they, they think they've got him all figured out, and they completely misunderstand him. The Pharisees, they expected too much. They didn't want to have faith in who Jesus was. They wanted proof. And the disciples, they expected too little. All they were concerned with was running out of food. But Jesus, he's trying to teach them something, and so he uses this metaphor of yeast, And how even a small amount of yeast, if it's mixed in with the dough, it ruins the bread. Yeast was a common Jewish metaphor for an invisible or widespread influence. And this was usually meant in a negative sense. Kind of like the old saying, it takes one bad apple to ruin the bunch. Jesus is warning them that if you're like the Pharisees who hear the truth, but continue to challenge it, continue to test it, he's saying, if you do this, it can lead to a gradual but growing sense of unbelief. And this will make it harder and harder for you to see who I am. But the disciples, they hear the word yeast, and they're like, oh, he's talking about the bread. Like, we need some more bread. Jesus is talking about something so much more important. Jesus wanted them to be aware of what this kind of attitude would do to their relationship with him, what it would do to their faith. So then Jesus asked them five very direct, convert, uh, direct questions, and these were like rebukes, okay? He says, why are you talking about not having enough bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see or ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? And so then he ends with one last question, but his last question is different. He says, do you still not understand? And see, this last question, it wasn't a rebuke. It was an appeal. It was Jesus' way of saying, I really want you to know me. I really want you to see who I am. This is my hope for our relationship. 
So Jesus, he really cares about their relationship. He's really trying to get their attention. I mean, five rebukes, right? Like he says, says five things, and then he follows it up with, but here's my heart. And so this is what the disciples and the Pharisees had in common. They both misunderstood who Jesus was. One group was far away. One was really close. But both of them misunderstood him. And see, at different times, I think we all fall into one of these two camps. Sometimes we misunderstand Jesus because we expect too much. And sometimes we misunderstand because we expect too little. But both of these scenarios are failing to see who Jesus really is. So maybe you can relate to the first one, this idea of needing a sign for everything, needing unmistakable proof. And I'm not just talking about your decision of whether or not you're going to place your faith in God. I'm talking about maybe when you're making big decisions in life. I have a friend that is completely stuck. And I love him. And it frustrates me because he's so talented. And he has such a great heart. But he's afraid to step outside of his comfort zone. He's afraid to, to go to a, an unknown place to do something where God could really use him in a powerful way. And, and, he, and he's trapped in his hometown. And he's trapped in what he knows because he's waiting for an unmistakable sign. Now, how many of you know there was only one burning bush, right? <laughs> like, you're really lucky if you have that kind of sign experience with God. But really, often, that's not the most common way that it works. God speaks to us. He leads us. He'll, he'll give us uh, inclinations and nudge us along in our thoughts and maybe through different conversations in different ways. But when he asks us to do something, there's going to be an element of faith because that's how our faith grows. If we had unmistakable proof of the exact outcome of every step that Jesus leads us to take along the way, our faith would never grow. And so the Pharisees, this is what they're doing because they don't want to see who Jesus is. They don't want Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. That's their attitude. That's their heart. It would have changed some things in their lives that they didn't want to change. I love this quote. It says, it's difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on him not understanding it. Jesus' claim would have affected every aspect of their lives. It would have affected their jobs, their position in the community, their legacy. Maybe you know what it's like to rationalize away for a season the voice of God, something he's asking you to do because it's hard. Maybe you've been through that journey, and then when you finally came back around and you did the hard thing, wow, all the blessing and favor that it unleashed, the doors that it opened in your life. If there's a thought that seems bigger than you that keeps coming back, it keeps coming up in your dreams, in your conversations, Keep in mind, it's easier to wait for a sign than to step out in faith. But if you step out in faith, the adventure that awaits, the journey that awaits with God. So sometimes we're like the Pharisees. We're expecting too much. But other times, we're like the disciples. And we expect too little. Sometimes Jesus is speaking to us like he did to his disciples. And he's saying, I want to tell you something about how faith works. I want to tell you something about life. But here's the problem that they faced. And I think that we face this problem as well, is they couldn't see past their need. They couldn't get over the fact that they were almost out of bread. And, and it was such a big deal, right, that they, they couldn't 
hear what Jesus was saying. He was trying to teach them something. See, we all have felt needs. The thing about felt needs is we feel them. They're emotional. They take front and center in our lives a lot of the time because they're, they're bothering us. We can't, we lose, the things we lose sleep at night over, the things that we think about when we're stressed, when we, can't, when we first wake up, all of these things that we're feeling. And what the Bible teaches us is ask and you shall receive. You have not because you ask not. We, learn, we learned, and it's true, God cares about everything we go through. Nothing's too big, nothing's too small to bring to him. But what I'm talking about and what we're seeing here is sometimes... Jesus is trying to have a moment. You've seen what he can do. You know that he can provide. He loves you. But what if sometimes he's trying to teach us something, something about who he is, but all we can think about is what we want him to do? Sometimes we don't hear what Jesus is saying because all we see is our need. The disciples knew better than anyone what Jesus could do with a loaf of bread. But they still weren't able to focus. They still weren't able to listen to the much more important thing that Jesus was trying to show them. Is your relationship with God deeper than what he can do for you? Can we hear from Jesus and learn things that aren't related to our prayer requests? What really bothered Jesus in this moment wasn't that they misunderstood what he was saying. It's that they were missing who he is. And so when you're with Jesus, bread isn't a problem. And part of our spiritual growth, it's not that those things don't matter, but it's that we get to a place and that we have an ability to see beyond our needs and to still hear the voice of God when he's trying to tell us something, when he's trying to show us something that maybe has nothing to do with the thing that we're concerned with. So here's the good news. Are you guys ready for some good news? Headline number four, Jesus never runs out of patience. He never runs out of patience. No matter how much time we spend in one of these two camps, expecting too much or expecting too little, he never runs out of patience. So in your notes, we're going to look at three things today that help us see Jesus more clearly. And these three things, they're all found in our passage. When you look at these questions that Jesus asked as he's assessing why they might be missing what he's saying or why they're not understanding, we can reverse those things and see some things that if we do or if we understand, we'll be able to see Jesus better. Do you guys want to see Jesus better? I know I do. And so the first thing that's really important, number one, is to keep your heart soft. When they weren't seeing Jesus clearly, he asked them, he said, is your heart hard? Um, I shared a few weeks ago that my wife and I were expecting our first child. And we're so excited. And we found out that it's a baby girl. Apparently, at 10 weeks, you can do a blood test. And and they email you like a week later. And then we found out on an app that we're having a girl. Isn't that crazy? But now that we know we're having a girl, it's so interesting. People keep telling me, they keep saying, man, having a girl is really going to soften you. And I'm like, what does that mean? And uh, it's funny, because I was thinking, well, what about my friends that have all boys? Were they already soft, or <laughs> what's going on? But they keep telling me this, and I don't really know what they're talking about. But I'm starting to, to get it a little bit better. I'm starting to understand a little bit more. So we're going to all these doctor's visits. And how many of you know, like, all the firsts are a big deal, right, if you're a parent? And so you know, the first time that we saw the ultrasound of the baby, and we got the picture. And, and so then this visit, we're there. And 
I'm, I'm sitting there, and I ask Marcy, I said, hey, what's this, what's this doctor's appointment about? What are we waiting for? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> so we're just sitting there. I'm thinking, we already found out the gender. Like, what, what are we doing at this one? And so the doctor walks in, and she's got this little box with this thing attached to it. And she says, hey, you guys are going to hear your baby's heartbeat today. We're like, no way. That's so cool. And so she gets ready. She tells me, hey, pull out your phone. You're going to want to record this. So I recorded it. Do you guys want to hear? OK, check this out. So it's kind of creepy, huh? It's like there's an alien inside of her. But I swear it's a girl. I mean, they showed me the, the video and all that. Yeah. But it's alive, right? This is one of those moments where everything is soft. Everything is sweet. Everything is beautiful. I'm looking at the doctor, and then I'm looking at Marcy, and she's bawling. And I'm feeling all this stuff on the inside. I'm like, what's going on? Right? But the thing about a, this baby is she's going to drive us crazy later. But at this point, she hasn't done anything wrong. right? She has done no wrong. Jesus has done no wrong. Jesus is pure. Jesus is perfect. Jesus is good. And Jesus loves you. To see Jesus well, you need a soft heart towards him. And this means that when we think critically, that's OK. But we don't want to be critical people. This means that we want to be careful and cautious, but not become cynical. This means that if you're constantly playing the devil's advocate when it comes to your faith journey, trying to poke holes in everything, that if you're not careful, you'll become like the Pharisees. Because this attitude that develops makes it hard for you to see Jesus, because your heart can become hard. Is your heart soft this morning? Maybe you've been expecting too much from God. Maybe he's not working the way you thought he would or the way you want him to. Is your heart still soft? Do you still see Jesus for who he is? There's a passage in Philippians 4.8. It says, finally, dear brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's a beautiful challenge for us this week, isn't it? To think about those kinds of things, to catch ourselves when we're dwelling on the other things, to come back to a soft heart. When your mind is set on the goodness of God, your heart is soft and you can see Jesus for who he is. So number one, keep your heart soft. And number two, Seek understanding. Jesus appealed to them, wanting them to understand him. In Proverbs, it's a book known as Wisdom Literature. It says over and over again, seek understanding, seek understanding, seek understanding. And so to Jesus, to see him more clearly, he says, we need to seek understanding. We need to understand some things. I bet if we were to add up all the questions that we have about Jesus in this room, we might be a little overwhelmed at how much we're questioning or we don't know. But I also bet that if we added up all of the things that people in this room who are following Jesus have learned, we'd be so amazed. We'd be so encouraged. Are you getting together with people outside of this room and sharing what you know about Jesus? 
sharing what you've discovered, sharing what you do understand? Are you helping other people understand some things? When was the last time you got together with someone maybe from your home church or, or maybe someone that you became friends with or met here, and you guys talked about Jesus. You talked about what you're learning. Jesus says, seek understanding. Take the things that are confusing you about Jesus. Try to find some answers. And I'm not saying that there's an answer for everything. There are a lot of questions in this life that we will never answer. But there are some things that we can understand. There are some things that we can know about Jesus. And so... Jesus, he's asking his disciples what they see. He's asking them what they hear. So what are you seeing and what are you hearing about Jesus? What are you catching lately that you didn't know before? Number one, keep your heart soft. Number two, seek understanding. And lastly, number three, remember what Jesus has done. What has Jesus done in your life? Remembering is an interesting thing. I have a friend, his name is Jason, and he, I met him at the Apple store, and a few of us actually from our staff, we've been going in, getting computers fixed and stuff, and so we met Jason, and we just kept inviting him to Brave, and he ended up coming, and he said, man, for the first time in my life, what it means to follow Jesus is starting to make sense. It's, it's incredible. He's like, I want to follow Jesus, and so we, we've been getting to know each other, and I actually, he asked me the other night, he said, do you refer to me like as Jason from Apple? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he's like, yeah, people are starting to call me Jason from Apple. <laughs> so just to clear something up, his last name is Hexer. But yeah, you know, I'm like, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. I think I'm just going to call him Jason H or something. I don't know. But he's an awesome guy. And so we were just sharing stories about life and just start where we came from, our backgrounds. And I was just thinking about how some memories, they're so beautiful and they're so good that if you think about them too long, you can almost get sad that you can't go back to them. Like when you first met your spouse or when you first uh, went to college and had maybe a good experience at college or you're growing up or just different memories. And, and it's kind of a bummer that we can't go back to them, right? But so I was talking to him about this and he shared this quote with me that I thought was kind of interesting. It's that depression comes from thinking too much about the past anxiety from thinking too much about the future, and happiness from being in the present. And I thought that's clever. Like in some cases, this can be true. But check this out. The good news of Jesus Christ is a past event. The gospel is a past event. But when we think about it, and when we remember it, we are filled with joy in the present, and we're filled with hope for our future. This is the thing that we need to remember daily. This is why we sing songs about it. This is why we talk about it every Sunday. This is why we gather in homes to talk about it. Because the impact of what Jesus has done and the impact of what he's now doing in our lives is so incredible. And when we remember it, when we remember what he's done in our past, we see him better in our present. See, there's something that Jesus instructed his disciples to do, and we're going to do it together in a few moments, but it's called communion. And it's a ritual that when we do, we remember his sacrifice. We remember the event. We remember his death on the cross and his resurrection. But hear me, so many of you all in this room have probably received communion before, right? Quick show of hands if you've ever received communion. OK, a lot of us. Now, if we're honest, if we're honest, We've probably all received communion and just gone through the motions, right? 
where we're just kind of doing it. We're not really thinking about it. But this is only a powerful thing to do with as much as we're willing to really reflect and to really remember what Jesus has done for us. And so as the the band comes, they're going to join me. They're going to play a song while we do this. It's actually called Remembrance. And it's a really powerful song about the story of Jesus. But what I want to invite you to do is don't just go through the rituals this morning. Let's remember what Jesus has done. But let's also remember what he's done recently. Like Jesus, he said to his disciples, he said, do you guys remember what I just did feeding those 4,000 people? Like that just happened. And they needed to remember it in order to see who he was when he was right in front of them. And so I know all of you, I know many of you, I've heard your stories and there's incredible things that God, God has done in your life in these last few years or maybe these last few weeks. But this is a time, this is a moment between us and God as we receive communion to really remember some of those things and to be filled with gratitude how much God loves us and that he cares and that he does do miraculous things in our lives. So would you bow your heads and join me? I want to pray for you. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's our hope that you will let this message go deep within your soul and allow Jesus to do the work that only he can do. We also want to encourage you to partner with us here at Brave. Go to brave.church and become a regular giver and be part of how God is using this message to help people find and follow Jesus.